Welcome to Liberty Chats, produced by members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council. Thank you for joining us. We talk to a variety of experts, leaders, journalists, and policymakers about our nation's founding principles, why they are still so relevant and essential to preserving freedom for everyone, what specific challenges and threats they face today, and how those founding principles best safeguard and empower everyone's ability, young and old, to attain prosperity and personal happiness. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Liberty Chats, a podcast from the Steamboat Institute. My name is Christina Eastman, and I am a member of the Emerging Leaders Council, a leadership program out of the Institute, and I'm so excited to be here today. My guest is Bob Woodson, founder and president of the Woodson Center. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pleased to be here. So there's a lot I want to get into today, including your two new books, Lessons from the Least of These, and most recently, Red, White, and Black, which just made um, number one bestseller on Amazon. But first, can you tell me a little bit about the mission of the Woodson Center, as well as your career path leading up to you becoming the godfather of the neighborhood empowerment movement? Well, thank you for having me. I, um, um, first of all, first, I'm a veteran of the civil rights movement. Having led demonstrations in Barrett Rustin's hometown, he was a chief advisor to Dr. King, Westchester, Pennsylvania. And I left the uh, civil rights movement um, over the issue of forced busing for integration. Uh, And also, I believe it was inattentive to the needs of low-income people. And so I uh, parted company and started to work on behalf of low-income people of all races. uh, And that has defined it. And I started the Woodson Center 40 years ago, and its purpose is to provide leadership to, um, we we go into high crime, drug-infested neighborhoods, and we look for what we call Josephs, uh, the people who are indigenous leaders, and we look for homegrown remedies coming from within the community suffering the problem. Uh, And we provide training and technical assistance and access to capital so that the uh, so that the, the the problems of violence and and crime are best solved by the people uh, in in the same zip code, cultural and geographic zip code. So we have have uh, pioneered some very innovative ways of reducing violence and improving conditions of poverty in those communities. So uh, wow, forty years um, that that, you, and it seems like you've gotten a lot of awards on the way on behalf of the Woodson Center and um, just for all of the great work you've been doing. Um, so, what would you say are the biggest roadblocks you are facing with regards to some of the programs of the Woodson Center? The biggest challenge uh, that we face in reducing poverty right now is pushing back against the race grievance industry. There are progressive forces on the left that are, has really hijacked the civil rights movement and exploited America's birth defect of slavery as a means of trying to redefine and rewrite American history. Uh, and I think that this is the biggest barrier right now when they have associated poverty with racism and therefore condemning the nation uh, with the 1619 report that was developed by Washington, uh, the New York Times magazine section. And so what 
so right now, what we have done is to develop a counterforce. Since the messengers uh, were black, we felt that the, the, the response to that should also be black-led. <clears throat> and so we established 1776 Unites as a means of, of, of countering the arguments coming from the left that America should be forever defined by its birth defect of slavery. And so we are offering an inspirational and aspirational alternative narrative to that because the people that, that are injured most are the very people that the left say they're trying to help. And that is low income blacks are the ones who are suffering the most with this emphasis on race grievance. So you've had a lot of success and um, you measure impact on your website with um, how you've gone into these low income communities and really turned them around. Um, and I'm sure a lot of uh, the Josephs, um, as you mentioned, see you as a role model. Um, who would you say are uh, your were your role models as you developed the the programs of the Woodson Center? Well, my role models have been the um, create by my going around the country, and I witnessed courageous actions on the part of local leaders that have uh, uh, achieved against the odds. Um, and in Leon Watkins, who inspired me, he's living in a crime-infested neighborhood controlled by a local gang, and he put help wanted signs up over and, and found and ha finally had a meeting with the gang, a single person. Um, and as a result of his meeting them, he had them in Bible study within two days. Uh, and so he served as a model how the power of one man armed with the word can, can help transform and redeem an entire community just on the power of his witness to them. And so a lot of uh, what, who I am and what I believe is, is that I've walked with some of the most courageous and most innovative uh, individuals that I've ever encountered. So there have never been um, well-publicized celebrities who have influenced me but there have been heroes uh, coming from within the community suffering the problems who, by their very witness and their walk, they have demonstrated that they can promote transformation and redemption in, in people that everybody else uh, considers lost. So I want to get into a little bit about your two recent books. Um, Lessons from the Least of These is about a grassroots leadership um, in impoverished communities. I was wondering if you can tell me about the inspiration for this book and speak to some of the strategies and principles you share with your readers. Yes, again, most of what I have learned about what is most effective in reducing poverty and promoting transformation and redemption in people, I've learned from walking beside some of the most creative individuals I, uh, I can ever imagine. Because, and these are people who are two types of what I call Josephs and from the Bible. In you know, the book of Genesis, Joseph was from what I say as a dysfunctional Hebrew family. <laughs> and, but he was treated, sold into slavery by his brothers and then when it became a slave in, in Egypt. But in all of his trials and tribulations that he was treated unjustly, he never succumbed to bitterness or resentment, and he was falsely imprisoned. 
Um, and he was faithful to his God and never gave in to resentment. And, but then when uh, Pharaoh called him, he was, uh, was able to interpret dreams. And, even, and, and then he rose to become powerful in the court of, of the good Pharaoh. And even though his family had betrayed him, he advanced policies and programs that had the consequence of saving the lives of the brothers who betrayed him and also the Egyptians who enslaved him. And so he is as a model of, 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 of moral excellence Mm-hmm. And that we look for those type of qualities in our grassroots leaders. There are two types of Josephs. There are those like Joseph from Genesis who were blameless. And the other types are those who have fallen, those who were predators, who were drug addicts, but through God's grace had become redeemed. And therefore, they are witnesses to others in those environments that redemption is available to them. So what my book does is it really reflects the lessons that I have learned from walking for 40 years alongside these two types of Josephs. And, and I glean from them uh, 10 principles that defines what, how they're successful, how they can be successfully employed. So the book really details how these Josephs are successful and what are the lessons that I've learned that I'm sharing with the, with the public. For instance, if you're looking most people, when they try to help low-income communities, they come in from the outside, and because there's broken steps and broken sidewalks and boarded-up homes, they assume there's nothing uh, uh, redeemable there. So whatever um, must be done must be imported in. And so what we say is no matter how desperate the situation looks, always assume that there's capacity and come and find out who is already helping within that environment as a, that's just one of the Woodson principles. So it's, it, the book is also really a reflection of the work that you've been doing the past 40 years with the Woodson Center and on your Yes, own. it is. And each chapter uh, describes a different principle and it is illustrated by examples of how grassroots people have really actualized these principles, how they are implementing them in their work. So the book is tells a lot of stories of, of miraculous uh, transformations and and experiences of redemption. It tells a lot of stories in the book. Those stories are certainly what we need right now in our modern divisive culture. So anything that can bring us together. Um, looking forward to reading it. So um, and you you recently published Red, White, and Black um, as a retaliation to false narratives the media is portraying about race relations and the 1619 Project, if I understand that correctly. Um, can you talk about how you tackled that in your latest book? Yes, in 16, uh, um, 19, 1619 was a series of um, essays by Nicole Hannah-Jones journalist for the New York Times, and she assembled other Black writers. And they really published a what I call a false narrative that says, uh, frames American history, that our birthday is not 1776 with the signing of the Declaration of Independence, but is the, the time when 21st African slaves arrived on our shores in the coast of Virginia. And they go on to conclude that as a consequence of the institution of slavery, that America is a slave autocracy, 
and therefore should be forever condemned as being racist um, and that all black people are therefore victims uh, to be compensated. And it doesn't lead to anything that's productive for anyone. And since they are the messengers were black, we felt that the counter messengers should also be black. And so we established 1776 and I've assembled 28 uh, outstanding scholars and uh, journalists and activists, not all conservative, but all of them believe in the fundamental uh, principles and virtues of our nation's founding. And so we have uh, put together an assembly of, of, of 28 essays that really documents um, the richness of our culture particularly how Black America was never defined by slavery or Jim Crow, but defined by our response to it. So it's a, it's a story of essays about resilience uh, and, 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 and self-determination that was expressed during Blacks. And it gives, again, examples that when whites were at their worst, Blacks were at their best. Uh, and so it's a, a very inspirational book, and uh, it's to really counter this false narrative that America should always be defined by slavery or Jim Crow. This is not slavery and Jim Crow, America's birth defect. None of us should be defined by the worst of what we used to be. I really like the, the term birth defect instead of, um, you know, the narrative that we hear nowadays, which is just uh, America was conceived in racism and can never be redeemed. But um, you know, there's a lot of parallels to the founding of America with how you go into impoverished communities and um, you don't want to import um, uh, stuff that can be redeemed on its own. So I yes. really like the the parallels there as well. Um, so besides making the number one bestsellers list on Amazon, congratulations. Uh, how has the response to that book been? Well, we've developed some um, curriculum and, and uh, from K through 12, we had, in two weeks of releasing it, we had about 12,000 downloads. Wow. As compared to 4,500 downloads in the course of a year for um, 1619. Mm -hmm. So there's a real thirst for our content. 60% are educators. Some of our leaders have testified successfully before um, state boards of education, that there are, there, are, there are a small group of people who are deliberately trying to undermine our nation, but there are also people who are well-intended but misguided mm -hmm. and therefore are anxious to receive alternative information that more accurately portrays uh, American principles and virtues and actions. And so we think we're meeting. We've also gotten several requests from corporations uh, for our essays. And we've been told that reading of them has enabled corporations to push back against embracing critical race theory uh, demands uh, for equity. Uh, so we think that um, we're meeting a pent up demand on the part of the country. And so we're very pleased. Uh, of the response to the public that it is number one on Amazon. In fact, I just got the word that they had to get resupplied. <laughs> wow. Wow. What, what a good feeling that must be. And they ran out um, of print. Wow. So they, 
it just got about an hour ago, uh, the publisher was able to resupply Amazon and they're able to meet all the needs of people demanding the book. Okay, good. Yeah, I guess I'll have to get in there and get my copy before it runs out again. <laughs> yes. Um, so there's uh, uh, there's a book and then there's a separate curriculum K through. Yes, eight. separate okay. curriculum. And your uh, viewers can go online and it's a free download uh, on 1776 Unites. Okay. Uh, if you go on our curriculum, you can also donate as well as uh, uh, download uh, a free access to our curriculum. Great. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have um, for today, but thank you so much for joining us on Liberty Chats today, and please consider giving us a rating and review on iTunes if you are enjoying the show. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mr. Woodson. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's Liberty Chat. I'm Erica Anderson, the producer of the podcast. Our podcast editor is Fingers Malloy. My co-producers include Charlotte Whalen, Zachary Rogers, Lindsay Martin, and Christina Eastman, all members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council, who represent the next generation of free market, free speech leadership. We hope you tune in again for our next Liberty Chat episode.